Good Monday morning. This is Matt Hodell with the Bastards of Art podcast, and with me is Chris Boyle, the one and only. So this is going to be a thing, man. We've we've uh, actually followed up and started our second uh, Bastards of Art podcast. A whole new season, a whole new section, a whole new whatever the hell you call it. It's really uh, happening. Yeah. Uh, so it's been a week uh, since yep. we recorded the last one. And we're really, we're really putting a lot of thought into this this next section of the Bastards of Art podcast um, about the creative process, and we've kind of broken it down a little bit. Last last time we talked um, a little bit differently about uh, imitation, imitation versus mimicking, imitation versus innovation, and whatnot. Uh, this week we're going to try to talk about innovation. Uh, I don't know if it's going to go anywhere or not. We'll see what happens. I'm sure, we'll take we'll take it somewhere. Whether or not it's productive, we'll see. I know. Yeah. What did you do this week, Chris? Did you get anything done? Uh, no. I guess I didn't. That my my initial response <laughs> not just, just one the, thing, not really man. the best. No, I worked a lot. I got a lot of things done, but uh, I didn't get a lot of projects done. I started building a swing for my kids in the yard. Oh, like what kind of swing? Like a uh, tree swing. Were you? Innovative, or were you imitating the classic tree swing? I think I was imitating the classic tree swing. Yeah, why well, ruin a good thing, right? Yeah, no, I just you know I might really change it up with my uh, rope configuration or something interesting. Did you put the safety measures in place so you don't get your kids bouncing off the tree? And no, and I haven't even thought about that yet. I think you kind of have to design things like that for your kids, like secretly make them so they do get hurt. <laughs> You know, yeah. for a lot of reasons, just for like, yeah. like the pain aspect of like, uh, yeah. yeah, toughen up, kid. You know, right, well, like we have the, a ninja line for that. That was my. Oh, do you really? Yeah, it's like a cool. thing you hang yeah. on. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I That's always cool. wanted one of those. They're really cool. Yeah, you can get them at the store now. Yeah, I've always wanted, and we, I've got a little bit of property, and yeah. I've always been looking for the two perfect trees to yeah. zip line across. Oh yeah, that'd be yeah. fun too. Yeah. The ninja line's cool though because you can like. What makes it a ninja line and not a zip line? I think it's just the. It's like it's so. Like, my son, who's eight, he is really into American Ninja Warrior. Oh and yeah. And so that kind of like got him interested, and I mean he's a, he's an eight year old who likes climbing on monkey bars and being at the playground. But he, uh, my wife saw this thing in somebody's yard. We were driving past like a neighbor's yard. She's like, "What is that? It looks so cool." And it kind of has these different handholds and ropes and nets you can climb up, like a cargo net. On okay. one area. So it's kind of like a CrossFit thing for kids. It's weird. I don't do CrossFit for the record. It's <laughs> not an endorsement of CrossFit. Or the Ninja Line particularly, but it is pretty cool. It's basically just some, you know, like... Uh, what is the word I'm looking for? Who cares? It has the word not, Ninja in it. It says Ninja, though. Doesn't that make it way more interesting? Yeah, I remember Amazon, I mean, for Halloween Amazon. one year, I was me and my brother were both ninjas. And we nice. had like the throwing stars and knives yeah. and... Like I'm sure a bunch of weapons that you no way you can take to school nowadays. Yeah, definitely not. But the throwing stars. I mean, I remember going. There's a flea market by my house growing up, and uh, one of the neighbor kids bought one of those throwing stars. Oh, and, yeah. oh did, hours and hours of fun. I totally did that when I was a kid. I bought a throwing star when I was with my dad, of course. Uh, not when mom was around at a, at a flea market. Yeah. And I just tried to throw it at everything. And I bought some nunchucks with my grandpa. Yeah. And like cracked myself in the head. Yeah. Mom. What that Chuck Norris really made a good movement of ninjas yeah, and whatnot. Totally. I think in Bruce, you know, Bruce Willis, Sidekicks. Bruce Willis, Bruce, uh, Bruce, the other Bruce, the, Bruce uh, Lee. Yeah. Bruce yeah. Lee. Yeah. Yeah. The guy yeah. who was actually good at it. Yeah. Yeah. I got Yeah. Him. Sorry, Chuck. Yeah. Sorry, Chuck. But Anyways. I, it, that, that moment, everyone wanted to be a ninja when we were little, man. Yeah. That was it. That Three was ninjas. Awesome. I think that was the other yeah, uh, so classic cool. you might be referring to. Yeah. Chuck. 
Yeah. I don't know. Not kids. I don't even know what kids want to be nowadays. They, no, I think they just want to be tattooers or something. Yeah, why not? <laughs> I guess it's cooler than ninjas. If you can't if you can't uh, be in a band, then I guess you could. You know, it's cool to still get to do your art for your living, man. You know? Bro, totally. Yeah, I do just my like art. Really expressive. It's all. It's like my vibe and energy. Who's the weirdest? Since we're talking about tattooing, what's the weirdest? Like, have you seen like some of those people that they just do like perfect? Outlines of like a like a generic house, and they charge like five hundred dollars yeah. for. That is the weirdest thing. I'm trying thing to figure to that out, man. I yeah, be, if, I mean that's like a whole hey, other. If page. anybody out there does that, yeah, send us an email and tell us how we can do it too. Yeah, what did you? What? Because that, <laughs> that's kind of innovative, right? Like, so I if guess, we, yeah. if we, like, okay, so let's let's go real quick. Yeah, uh, we we said imitation was like a social learning process where you basically imitated what someone else has already done to with the intent of learning how to problem solve a common common issue um yeah. and so we talked we talked about creativity we talked about how to paint like that we, we were using tattoo references um trying to trying to um uh, imitate other tattoo artists and like how do you do that you know like namely like sarah or jerry or something like that sure. um but innovation I think we can say innovation is more like um, thinking creatively about something that exists, uh, like maybe maybe like increasing the efficiency of that process. Right. Um, and so innovation, the difference, the big, the big, the big thing I want to say about innovation versus imitation is imitation is a social learning where you're imi- you're imitating something that your peer group has done. Or innovation is where you really start to get personal and you, you realize that in, imitating is futile and you now need to kind of figure out your own way of doing something. Yeah, or I think additionally you need to stand out within the group that you're trying to monetize this with. Like, So mm-hmm. in the example that you just used, it isn't that someone else hasn't you know, tattooed a house in a very simplistic form especially well and made an impact with that. It's just sometimes there needs to be more of those same kind of people. So in a weird way, I think sometimes innovation and imitation can kind of slip in and out of each other because in a way, maybe you just saw this guy somewhere along the road and said, oh, that's kind of a cool idea. I don't do houses. I do, you know, figures or I do... Honeycombs. Whatever, yeah, Yeah, you know. I do only rubber duckies or whatever it is it doesn't matter you know and then you somehow create this following of people who desire the product that you're creating and by that i mean i think it does become innovation it's like everyone's seen a tattoo but the concept isn't really any different you've you've imitated the concept you've just put your own spin on that yeah you've you've Everyone, everyone knows what a classic tattoo looks like. Sure, but have you seen Jethro's? Right, they're so innovative. I mean, yeah. what does that spark when I say? But yeah. Jethro's are so innovative. Like, what, what do you think Jethro would be doing that's more? Just, just, just something a little different. I mean, well, I mean, there's a what would he things. not be doing? There's a million things like just the color palette you use could. You know, there was like a, a huge movement of a lot of guys. I felt like that were more in the Northwest doing the same kind of like classic designs, but instead of using bold, bright colors, they were using a more muted palette and that really stood out. You know what I mean? I think about, okay. uh, So that's, that's a perfect example of being innovative. You haven't changed, you haven't revolutionized anything. You, but you're, 
you're you're still putting your own creative spin on it. Sure. I mean, that's a simple change. It's really the same design with a different color palette. It could be, um, you know, I've been doing something lately. I've seen other people do it too, where I'll take a more kind of classic design, but I'll use only black. Like there's no shading. It's all done with an outline, you know, and it's like, but I'll shade things in a way that I'll imply where shading would go. There's lots so of other people that do it too. line for the sake of tone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or or even fields really ultimately of solid black, mm-hmm. you know, to, for tone and for depth to show the way that things are set back. And it looks really minimal and simplistic, but it also looks really strong, you know, or maybe even tough looking because it's a dense, solid black looking tattoo you know Mm -hmm. it's like a tribal style of a traditional design and i think that's appealing to some people you know like and that i didn't create it i didn't invent it but i definitely you know i'm trying i'm making an attempt to try to do more things in that style because i find it gratifying to see those images you've seen a whole lot of things sure you you've kind of like taken them all in and 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 now you're going like i'm not kind of trying to revolutionize my craft but I want to do something that helps me stand out a little bit. So you're, you're putting a little thought into the process of not like, how did you problem solve it? But you're saying like, what speaks to me? How, what it, you, you, you said, I liked it because it was bold. It was solid. Yeah. It was tough. Yeah. You know? I think that sometimes it's like a step towards that next thing to where it isn't that I don't want to revolutionize the, the business that I'm in or the trade that I'm in. I don't always think of it that way. And I think that anyone would say, oh, man, in a perfect world, I would love to be somebody considered revolutionary in my trade that was respected by my peers and, you know, was their work was desired um, to be acquired by clients. But at the same time, I think sometimes we use these little like transitional periods to like explore different things and then maybe by seeing what sticks and what works, then that helps us kind of informs our next, you know, tangent. Well, you said it right there, what sticks and what works. I mean, I think that's the essence of creativity anyway, is basically just having a process where the end result isn't predictable. Yeah. That's being creative. Try this, try that, try this, try that, you know. Uh, I think that's the, if there was like an underlying message in all this, or not message, but like an umbrella that all this fit under, is it's all about being creative. Yeah. It's just that you have different, I think you'll end up having different needs, you know, sure. for, like I think a lot of stuff you're talking about right now is the personal fulfillment of doing of doing art or doing your craft and not feel, feeling like you're just, I don't know, just in, in row with everything. Like just yeah. another duck in line. Or just not being just a, a printer or, you know, uh, just producing something that somebody says, here, this is where I want produce it. You know, I think it's like being able to take something it's like i did you know the tattoo i was referring to recently i did this tattoo it was actually someone else's design who i posted a picture of the tattoo that i did and i tagged that person because it was like it wasn't my design it was in a sketchbook that i bought and i tattooed this design because the customer liked the design and it fit the space it was going to go in but i totally altered the design in the way that I tattooed it stylistically. I mean, it was a line drawing in the book. I changed the line drawing slightly, but I didn't really even change much of that. But the way the tattoo looked was totally different. I've seen the guy who did the design originally do the tattoo, and it doesn't even look like the same Well, just like you were talking about with the muted colors or just your process of using line as a tonal value. Um, 
and changing the atmosphere or the approach, you know, you're taking maybe the bubbly away from it and adding a little bit more grit. I mean, sure. how you, how you, yeah, that, I mean, well, sure, it, an, it was an interpretation, innovative. you know, it was an yeah. interpretation. I think sometimes innovation can be as simple as that is you take something that is, it exists and you interpret it in a way and just alter something slightly about it to make something new or something interesting, something that is desirable to, you know, the consumer. Like a new method. Right. And then the hard part is, though, sometimes, like, when creativity is involved in that, like, with, you know, I've been painting Flash that kind of, in that style, lately, and I, as I'm doing it, I'm actually thinking to myself, I'm like, how am I going to convince people to get this, right? Like, how, what am I going to have to do to get people to, like, want to get these things tattooed on them? How do you monetize your yeah. new innovation? Right. Or just my interest, even, yeah. you know? Like, how do I... And, you know, ironically, not that I'm a big fan of uh, social media. I'm not... I'm neither for nor against it. But, you know, the photo I posted of the tattoo I'm talking about is probably the most likes that I've gotten on a tattoo ever on Instagram. Yet nobody in my day-to-day life particularly wants to get tattooed in the style. So it's just really weird. Like sometimes I think, you know, that's a, that's a frustration of creative types is like, okay, well I see something. I think it looks cool. I think it's neat. I think there's a need for this. So I think there's, it should be interesting or it would be valued by people. But even though that sometimes that innovation like isn't really important because it doesn't, Responded. Well, I think also, you know, when we talked about imitation, we said the intent was to learn from someone else's problem solving. Right. And I think the thing of it is, I don't think you should be innovative or stylistic just for the sake of being stylistic. Sure. Like just for the sake of being, I do everything in blue. Like, oh, why? Why do you do everything in blue? blue Because I am. And then you you can't backstory it with bullshit. You know, you have to come up with like, you know what? I just want to express myself in this way. And you're, you're basically trying to problem solve on a personal level um, how to be, um, I don't know, I mean, how to be, how to, how to be more efficient with your storytelling, um, how, to, how to approach something in another light. You're not just doing it for the sake of doing it. Right. You know, I think you're, you're putting a little thought into it. And the, the thing of it is, I, I personally believe that if you are doing, uh, if you're being innovative um, with good intentions then, um, you know, people see it. You know, you can tell when something's fake and phony and no one's put a lot of work into it, mm-hmm. you know. But if you can see someone's like, oh, someone really thought this out. Someone really, this is yeah. this is nice craftsmanship. I think right. they, they will buy into that because that, people do appreciate the craftsmanship or, or a fresh approach, you know. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. I, I think the monetization, you, you, we, 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 there's another aspect that we don't really talk about right now in, in this section but to be brought up is the marketing aspect. Sometimes you do have to let people know, like, this is why this is cleaner. This is why I think this is another approach. I mean, step away. Be a little different. Don't, don't You're not your mom. Don't get your mom's tattoo. You know what I mean? Or I don't know. I don't know if that's the marketing, the marketing logo you want to give. <laughs> but but my, my point is that, you know, you back it up with the right marketing and you believe in the product. Those things, those things do work themselves yeah. out. You know? It matters, yeah, for sure. I think it's just tough sometimes to get, you know, it, it makes me question like, well, am I actually, am I really just like imitating something or am I just on a tangent? Because 
it's a little bit difficult for that to translate to a more major market. And I think when we're talking about things like innovation, we are talking about like, well, what is it that like makes people, why does like every person in the world care about sacred geometry now? Like they don't, they just like the way it looks, you know, well, and now it's, it's available, it's accessible to them. They see these, these designs that are influenced even by that, that maybe, but I think there's a, I think there I think if we use some of the, the some of the terminology we used before, someone was innovative. Sure. And they started doing the sacred geometry. Whether they borrowed it from another culture and figured out how to apply it into tattooing, um, that's irrelevant at this point because yeah. as far as tattooing was concerned, it was innovative. Sure. Then you have imitation, which is someone trying to figure it out, but then as it gets quote unquote played out, you start having the mimicking. Because you can even see the people who do just like sacred geometry and it's like what are you doing? None of this goes together. You're not even paying attention. Right. You know what I mean? But you can yeah. see people who are trying to do it in the light of. Yeah. Like they're trying to pay homage to who came first. They are imitating in a correct way. But I think it's, I think, I mean, that's, that's like, you know, I think you know you're being innovative when you start getting some people trying to like, how the fuck did Chris do that? You know? Yeah. Or, I mean, in the same way, I think that, Maybe when you're getting a little bit of criticism from people, you might be considered being innovative too because you're getting attention, you know? like I, I think, think that comes with it for sure. Yeah, I mean, it's easy for people to say when you start changing something up, especially something that's like time-honored or respected, when you start putting – there, I think the initial – uh, kind of like gauge of what that innovation level is. If we were to put a level on it, is like, oh, is like, is there any pushback from? Do that? you have a Do you have an example you can think of, or a scenario you can kind of invent? I'm trying to think of. I mean, I, I, it just again, I mean, like tattooing. It's like what I know. Well, most. you were talking about before, even the even the tools we use. Yeah, sure. So, example. Okay, there's a good example. So let's like talk about coil tattoo machines versus rotary tattoo machines. And coil for the people who don't know, those are the ones you see in all the movies, and the thing slaps up and down. It looks right. like a big doorbell. It's the sound that you hate when you go get tattooed. Yeah, if you're that person. It yeah, makes yeah, you feel yeah. like you're at the dentist. I don't. Yeah. I still don't really get. And that. the rotaries are the ones that are basically they turn in a circle. It's like a little RC motor or something. It's, it's like, them prison style machines yeah like what you yeah prison style yeah right that's what people say yeah, so those are the two we're talking about right. but but for the background coil have been around forever yeah why question it yeah don't 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 fix what ain't broken kid yeah you know and you know i think that there is you know uh, what the, there's a few funny things about that the first thing is, is that rotary tattoo machines have been around and tattooing for a really long time they're not actually like this brand new thing you know whether that be people Taking a motor out of a cassette player and making oh, it into a tattoo machine. That's how I made my first tattoo machine. There you go. Yeah, yeah. You know, how long ago was that, Matt? Not to embarrass you. Uh, it was 1987. Right. So that's at least a while ago. Yeah. But, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. Some of that's like a misnomer. It's like, oh, this is like the futuristic like machine. It's like, well, not really. It's like pretty simple. You know, what motor goes made, around, needle goes up and down. I think, even though it had been around, I think what made it innovative is somebody cleaned up the design. Yeah. And they made it efficient. Right. They made it faster for the right. process that it was intended for. Right, and they made it they made it uh, user friendly. You know, the thing about a coil machine—that's a good point. User friendly. Yeah, yeah, is the coil machine? The, you know, it's a an asset 
and a liability in the sense that like it's very adjustable. You can kind of tune that machine to your liking to run a certain way for it to hit hard or soft, have a long or a short stroke. You can change the spring on the machine to get more or less out of it. There's a million ways. There's you know, well, or at least like ten ways. Oh, there's, you a, can, there's a bunch of you ways. Know, yeah. That you can you can uh, kind of personalize that machine to the style that you tattoo if you understand the concept behind it. Right. Now, you know, with a rotary machine, there tends to be less adjustment available. You might have like control over one thing. Like you might be able to control a little bit like to dampen the hit of the machine or adjust the stroke, which would be like how far the needle is actually, you know, extending in its downward motion. So when that comes down to like repairing a machine or if, if you have a rotary machine and it's running what you might call wrong, you're probably going to go like, oh man, I either have to like send this to a guy or throw it away. And a lot of people are probably that way with coil machines these days too probably. because there's so many yeah. people that never learned how to put a machine together or what a contact screw does. But the innovative part about how they came across with the coil machine was it used everything that you already had. Same yeah. power supply. Yeah. Same tubes. Same needles. Yeah. You didn't have to change anything right. but how you drove your tattooing. Right. And I think it removed all the variables of a coil. And with the rotary, it simplified it so that and I think that was that was the approach. I mean, hate them, love them, or be indifferent. But that, I think that is a great example of innovation. Yeah. And then if you follow, it still has the... Uh, Imitation and then the mimicking. I mean, I, yeah. do you remember? I don't remember what company it was. I don't mean to throw I think, anyone I mean, the bus. to me, like Neotat was like the first widely marketed mm-hmm. one. You know what I mean? That, that everybody had a Neotat tattoo machine. My, I never had. A I know. I mean, uh, uh, Shag the guy in yeah. uh, in uh, his rotaries are awesome. Yeah. yeah, those are those are. Yeah, yeah, they were they were like they were just like the craftsmanship of them. How the choke was put yeah. together. How simple. You know, being a guy who loves to tinker in the garage and like sure. build motorcycles, I really like people who can figure out the quickest and simplest solution right. for a common problem. Yeah, I mean, shameless plug here, but like, you know, I'm jumping on the bandwagon with it, but man, it's like I, I know the guy, I met him, but Dan Kubin, man, his machines are awesome. And he's a guy who's constantly trying to like move forward in the way that he's innovating, even a rotary tattoo machine, like making it more adjustable, making it more user-friendly to somebody who wants it to run a certain way different finding yeah, i'd know, like that you know machines for people who want to use a cartridge or instead of no, so in, normal now you just brought up something totally different because then you have these new machines which i've never used and they don't use the tubes that we use they yeah. don't use the needles we use they don't use the driving system we use right. and a lot of times you even have a different way to add power to them with a a different style of jack, basically how you plug it into your power supply. Sure. So now you have a huge investment yeah. to get all this stuff, and you're on the hook for right. buying their style of of needles sure. and their style. And that's of maybe just good marketing, you know. I yeah. guess to like a so crowd that, of people that love buying the newest thing. You know, that would, would that be more? I haven't thought about this completely, but would that be more inventive? I mean, because yeah. I mean, if, if if we would agree that. It, Necessity is the mother of invention. The question is, was it necessary? I mean, I guess you can be inventive and not have, have it not be necessary. There's been a, plenty of inventions in time that were just stupid. But like the Cheyenne thing, like, right? I just, for me, I don't know, like, 
it doesn't. It's not innovative to me because you've you've not made my life easier. Sure. Yeah, that, I, I feel the same way about that kind of stuff because it doesn't. As somebody who can tattoo with coil machines or rotary machines, or probably I'm sure that if I hooked up a Cheyenne and plugged it in and had all the stuff sitting there, I could figure out how to make a tattoo with it. I wouldn't feel intimidated by that. But you'd have to but convince I would have to, you to make the investment. Right. And that to me they're just it's not convincing. Like I don't feel that my investment would return ease of use in tattooing for the style and manner in which I tattoo to make it make sense. However I do think, you know, like people who you know, I've seen a lot of guys that do more black and gray realism, stuff like that, where they may want to have normally have three shaders set up and three different line weights you know to work on a piece and they want to have a clean liner of an of a same grouping size to just put in white we're getting into such a you know. specific right thing but, and that that might apply to someone who's just going down that rabbit hole being yeah. so specific. but it applies to all the people who want to be that guy whether they are that guy or I not did, too i just know? noticed today um one of the girls i work with her name's amber we have cabinets at the shop, and she had a whole shelf full of needle boxes. Mm-hmm. And uh, I recognized some of the boxes are some of the same companies I ordered from, but then there was some I didn't recognize. And I was just like, you are ready for the Armageddon. And she's <laughs> like, well, half of these are for my Cheyenne, and half of these are traditional. Oh, right. And I was yeah. just like, oh, my oh my God, dude. There's a whole, lot, a whole of lot of stuff things. you got to I mean, that stuff stresses me out. That you know, stresses like me about out, that, too. I'm like, man, yeah. what am I going to do? What happens when I... You know, I'm forgetful. So, like, what happens when I run out of, like, seven round liners for this thing? Like, and then I have a whole box of sevens that I can't use with the machine. It's like, that just doesn't work out for yeah, me. Like that doesn't work. I got to be able to, like, rustle through my drawer and, like, pop something open with a lighter and, like, make it work. Yeah, yeah. Know? Make it work on the fly. Yeah. Yeah, it's not like you can... <laughs> not like you can... I mean, yeah. I like the ability to, like rip apart a tape deck and make a tattoo machine on the fly if I'm somewhere in Peru and need to make a buck, you know? Yeah. But there's no way I'm going to rig up my Cheyenne Well, now you could just... Well, no, maybe you would, though. Because <laughs> maybe you could just, you know, like, pack your cart... You know, your single grip and all these small little cartridge needles, like, in a nice little, you know, compartmentalized fanny pack and go do tattoos in Peru. That's like... So, the, innovative would be, like, to take the Cheyenne and figure out how to make it more user-friendly. You know, like, what are the positives of the Cheyenne? And I don't know what the yeah, answer is. I don't either. But what if there was, like, a way where, like... I hate to spoil it, but I'm probably never going to find I'm it. I'm probably never either. <laughs> but, like, what if, like, the positive... Because I know Cheyenne, they have, like, they're, like, a pin-looking thing. Like, yeah. so the whole entire machine is, like, the tube, right. you know, kind of thing. But what if, like, your power supply was at your fingertip? So as you're going over a media area, you kind of, like roll forward a, a little sensitive button and all of a sudden it like right. turns it up a little bit more yeah. and then then you get onto the bone and you can roll back like what yeah, if it yeah. added this whole whole that would be innovative Man, yeah. you know what I mean that would like change like you could yeah. change like you wouldn't have to stop turn the turn your power supply stop right. turn your power supply you oh. just it was all because the shine was already there like see that if it, if it's you could just doing, will like, it you could will it to speed up and slow down also, if it did something that I was like oh my god I can't live without that yeah. you know what I mean That'd be kind of wild, right? I could live without all of that, though. I think. Yeah, I mean, I there are being a being a <laughs> uh, being like a gear nerd. Yeah, you know, I uh, like especially when it comes to hiking. Like, I have two sets of walking sticks. I have two different stoves. I mean, you don't need right. all this stuff. You know, I think yeah. we've got like four different tents at this point. Right. I don't need all of it. I just like well, it's cool this, to have it. Yeah. This tent has blah 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 blah. You know, I think I think there could be like that market too when it gets to innovation. Yeah. Like, 
I mean, I'm definitely in that market. I have a drawer full of tattoo machines, and yeah. I still use the same three machines all well, the time. What else do you? What else do you? Do you collect any other dumb stuff? I know. I, mean, you, I know yeah. musicians like they like well, love yeah, their microphones to, and. Well, yeah. I mean, I you know I've kind of like liquidated some of that stuff over time, but yeah, I mean, I, I've always been a gear person, you know, whether it be was a gearhead, gear nerd. What do you call? I don't us? know. Yeah, just just gear yeah, nerd? I guess gear nerd. I guess yeah. I don't know. I think that like yeah, I've always like been into like having a lot of options and having variety and i think that to some extent like that's just like any person who's trying to craft something it does you know make a difference if you have the right tool for the job and i think you know yeah i just renovated a house last year and you know the things that i spent really probably the most money on over the whole time was just buying the right tools to do things that i hadn't had to do before you know like buying the right kind of saw to do like buying a jam saw which is something that you use to cut under molding and stuff like mm-hmm. that when you're laying hardwood floors sure you wouldn't ever think about buying that but if you're laying a lot of flooring it is super important like especially like an old house and you're trying to keep a lot of the woodwork it's like well and if then laying, if your cousin does flooring he comes over and makes fun <laughs> of your jam saw right you get to hold another rabbit hole yeah yeah but you know <laughs> That being said, having the right tool for the job makes a difference. And, you know, when you take your car to a dealership, maybe, for example, because that's the dealer that has all the tools to work on your certain make and model of vehicle, I think that, you know, as a tattooer or as an artist, it's like as a painter, like you need different kind of brushes to accomplish different things. It doesn't mean you can't just paint with whatever brush, but sometimes it does make it easier. And I think that's kind of the purpose of innovation and then maybe as we move forward to invention you know it takes that like instead of it being like oh well i have eight different brushes that accomplish all these different effects i think you know a, a supreme form of innovation is when you have one brush that actually functions as all of the eight brushes you had before and maybe that new invention replaces the need to have eight brushes and then that becomes a lot more desirable for some people who want to go travel and paint in Peru because they can't take, take eight things with them. Because I think you could, you could always train yourself to live without stuff. Sure. But if there was a device that not only was easy to take yeah. along, yeah. And, but also it simplify. If it didn't uh, make you compromise. Because I think, yeah. you know, in every, like in a tattoo. like It's not making your life harder. Yeah. It, I, you know, there's times where it's like in a, in a tattoo, I'd be like, oh, I could really set up, you know, like you know two, three liners but really i'll just set up two because the tattoo is not big enough to like really make that big of a you difference don't, you don't, the justification's not there yeah it just isn't like work. really worth it it isn't right. worth the time for me to set it up or like the supplies to set it up or really the client to wait for me to like continue to switch between machines that require different voltages or whatever but it's like you know maybe the uh plus side of the cheyenne is that it literally is like a click of a button and those three things are right there and there's no there's no weight you know yeah. there's no uh, there's no awkward moment while I rinse out one machine and set it down and change my power supply right. and turn it down and make sure I'm just right at the right spot and I run one line and I stop and I go back and do that you know I think so, the, I think during this conversation I'm kind of realizing a couple of things number one innovation isn't necessarily that you did art differently right in our process I think sometimes innovation is just being able to look at the tools and go, how how can I do this better or yeah. different? Or how can I get this job done quicker? Yeah. Like, I mean, something as dumb as like taking a household sweeping, sweeper, brush, sure. sweep, sweeper, 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 sweeper. Yeah, vacuum. Vac- whatever. Like, take, take your broom. T- t- just broom. Just a, God yeah. dang it, broom. 
Jesus. Taking a broom and painting with your broom or taking a broom and cutting cutting the whiskers out of it and figuring out how to paint with that. You know, like that's starting to become innovative because then people look at your process and like, how did you do that? It looks so much cleaner than how I did it. But when we're talking about the, the tools uh, of it and uh, I, I think I'm a little more open-minded. I, and I think that's the other thing I wanted to point out is that I don't think you can be innovative if you're not open-minded. I think if you're closed-minded and you believe this is just how it is or this is just how you should do it, then you're, you're just going to get stuck in that first level, which is the imitation level. You know, you're like, nope, I'm going to keep doing this and perfect this method because this is the right way to do it. And if you do it in another way, you're wrong. And it's like, yeah. why? Why are you wrong? Why, why are you? Why? I mean, as someone who held back from getting a rotary machine for a long time and when I finally did figure out how to use it, I felt really... I did. I felt dumb that I didn't do it three years earlier, yeah. you know? Like... Yeah, I think if the Cheyenne machine was more affordable and didn't require me to buy a whole bunch yeah. more stuff. But I think that's really, a, maybe in the creative process, just how you get your art out there it might be the most innovative part of our mm-hmm. our uh, recipe. Yeah. And what a music. I'm sure there's like things that before guitars, like how, people can't live without whammy bars anymore. I mean, do, do people use whammy bars anymore? Yeah. Oh, do they? Okay, I don't know. Yeah, but there's way better, you know, ways of using that. There's de- all different kinds of products that but I'm sure come, there was something come that came around to like keep guitars. things in tune more. Because that's what in, in, in music, okay. in music, like tuning is the most important thing, you know, as far as a guitar player is concerned, the problem with using like a tremolo arm or a whammy bar. I have no idea you know what, what a tremolo arm is. Well, that's the same is thing. Is that the same yeah, thing? Yeah, it's the same yeah. thing. So it's just that, you know, you're bending, you're relieving tension on the string, and then those strings are coming back to tension and therefore pitch. But the issue is, you know, there's a lot of, there's a few variables in there that can cause the strings to stick or just the fact that you've released tension on the strings and reintroduced it that changes pitch. So the, the whole goal is like, there's been companies founded on trying to like, make the perfect tremolo you know really to do that yeah there's like there's been all kinds of different innovation and things you know there's a company called wilkinson that did a really great job of like kind of like doing in-tune tremolos and part of that is that the saddle which is where the string crosses on the bridge is a roller you know instead of it being like a straight piece of metal as the string depress as you depress the tremolo the string rolls across the roller but the other side of that is the nut matters and so there's companies that have come out with nuts made of different material where they used to be just made out of bone predominantly or mm. plastic mm. there's ivory and tusk and then there's graphite nuts which the you know the 80s like really produced that desire so that the string will you know not it will lubricate the string as it moves back and forth and doesn't get caught so there's all kinds of stuff and ever i mean in guitar playing i guess that's what i would think of yeah yeah no no i i it's a little bit of a tangent i mean i live obviously i live in a bubble i mean i have like i can think of innovative stuff when it comes to hiking and i like i like sharing um some of my my I got a group of guys we hang out together. We nicknamed ourselves the Nerdy uh, Adventure Club, you know. And one of the things we do is we like to show each other like our new gear we found and right. why it's better. And yeah. sometimes like sometimes things are better, and it's fun to introduce someone like, "Why are you doing it like that? Check this out. This is so much easier." And sometimes it's like more about look what I own. Totally you know, like, I mean? hey, check out what I've got. <laughs> yeah, check out what I wasted yeah. my money on. I got a friend. We you wish you had this. Yeah, and he. He all, I, I just realized, I think he carries two stoves no matter what we're doing. And I said something to him about it, and he's like, ah, I just like playing with them. You know, I just like seeing, right, yeah. you know, 
But I mean, even like in that world, like that's a whole other rabbit hole, like how to cook on the trailer and being innovative about that. I think it's like, you know, that, that makes me think about it. It's like the question, like, does it matter? You know, like, does it matter that he brings two stoves with him? Well, not really. Like if 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 the point is to cook food, it doesn't really matter. He needs one of them, you know, but, but like to him, it's like, there's something cool to play with. You know what I mean? I think sometimes these things that maybe we think are innovative or are innovative artist things for us to play with. I mean, I'm that way with tattoo machines, whether it's a coil machine or a rowing machine. I'm like, oh man, I want one of those. I want one of those. I want one of those. I'm just curious how this one runs. Like, I want to get one of those. And you know, if money were no object, I would have even more than my, you know, oh yeah, for sure, two drawers full maybe. Yeah, my wife. Well, I actually had I actually had to start. I put a box together and took it home and retired some some of my machines just because it was it was like. I'm never gonna tattoo with this again. <laughs> I have like some, I have some personal, like, like, like connection to this machine, but I'm never, right. never. Yeah. I actually have a, a, like my, I think I have a Mickey Sharp's, uh, um, micro dial. Oh yeah. And I don't know what number they're on now, but mine was like two hundred and two hundred and sixty five. Yeah. Um, I know Brad had one that was thirteen. Yeah. And I think a couple, it's been 10 years ago, I saw one that was like 10,592. Yeah, there's tons of them. Yeah, so I don't, I'm never going to sell it, but I just think it's. Yeah, it's just kind of cool to have it. Yeah, just to own it. So, okay. Monetization on innovation. Yeah. Like, I haven't really like thought about this too much, but that is part of the the equation. If we're going to be artists and we actually want to buy more art supplies to keep making art and then possibly pay rent and yeah. feed our family. Like how, how just off the top of your head, like how much stress should there be on the monetization part? Or do you think, do you think just as long as you're believing in your product that can kind of follow suit? Well, I think, you know, maybe just as we've been sitting here talking and as we talked last week, I think that for me, I'm starting to, at least in my mind to think that innovation might have more to do in my mind, at least with that monetization with like what, you know, what tools can I are allowing me to do my job more efficiently so that I can produce more or I can produce better, you know, cleaner work or, you know, what kind of uh, influence even can I or reference can I look at in order to become, you know, more well-versed or more capable to produce art quickly um you know i had a conversation with my neighbor this week about um she works in uh, a creative field she's a designer um, and an artist but she works for a lot of corporations and you know she expressed she's like oh if i were asked to like create art without any kind of purpose or direction i would really be lost you know and she makes furniture and stuff but like you know she, you know, she's like, I would want somebody to tell me what I need to do. I needed some kind of like structure or boundaries. She was expressing that that was helpful to her in order for her to be creative. She needed some kind of, to like narrow that spectrum of, okay, I need to focus my creativity in a direction to get to something that's consumable. You know, so I think that could be if you're a graphic designer or something like that, it would be. A client saying, I need a logo, but I need it to express X, Y, and Z. And so that gives you some direction to go. And I think if mm-hmm. you're tattooing, um, you know, I had a conversation with a client this week of going like, 
He's like, well, what's the most frustrating thing about tattooing? And just quickly, I was like, well, the most frustrating thing is when people just don't know what they want. And it was like pretty, you know, just that response out of my mouth. I was like, oh, well, in some ways, I feel like I'm oftentimes asked just to produce, you know, work you're for people. You're being commissioned. So you're being, being commissioned. commissioned to one or two things. Right. You're being commissioned to fulfill their idea. Right. Or you're being commissioned to be you. Right. And sometimes it's a little bit of both. And sometimes, you know, it's just one or the other. But I think it's really challenging when a client will come to you and say, okay, well, I want something that is kind of like this, but whatever you want to do. And you look at them and you go, well, I know that that's not true. I know that you have an idea in there and we need to like hash it out a little more. We need to communicate that so that I can take my knowledge and my skill set and put that together into something that is what you want, that it's the desired result. And that isn't always, you know, innovative. It's not. I mean, it sometimes it's just, you know, very calculated. What if there's micro-innovations? Maybe it is. Like, what if someone has such a generic idea that you just change it just enough so that you don't look exactly like all their buddies? Well, I try to do that all the time. You know, because... Sometimes people want what they want, and that's fine. Like, that's what they want. Like, they want to look just like the picture that they found on Pinterest of some other person's tattoo. That is what they want. They don't want it to be kind of like it. But at the same time, a lot of times people are like, being like, oh, well, I really just want something kind of like it, and you can do whatever you want with it. You know, do your thing. But even when they say that, that doesn't mean that I can actually do my thing because I have to keep in the back of my mind that they still want this because I'll quickly drift off into like, oh, yeah, like that dream catcher, you know, geometric single needle cross is not a panther with a dagger through its head. Let's you think know? about like, something really like, quick. Let's think about some of the most innovative pieces of art that have been done through the years. Hmm. Hokusai's Great Wave. Okay. okay. Yeah. Michelangelo's Sistine Chapel. You know what the one thing in common with both of those is? They were both commissioned. They're both dead. Oh, they're both dead, yeah. <laughs> but they were. They were both commissioned. Yeah. But there was something about how they approached things that that got them the job. Yeah. You know, I think there's a story of Michelangelo that his dad was a big schlep and had a bunch of gambling debts and he was forced to do it, maybe. I'm not really sure. But still, they wanted him to do it. And I'm glad he did because it turned out stellar. You yeah. know, obviously, like those type of people, like now, if you're work, like, can you imagine years from now, Chris, you have like umbrellas with your drawings on it. You know what I mean? <laughs> and, you know, and that's yeah. where we've gotten with these. But, but my point is, yeah. just, just think about that for a minute. We sit here and we Hit try to be Chris Boyle tattoos at gmail.com. Uh, if you need any umbrella designs, anybody yeah. listening out there, but think about it. It's, it's, uh, it's not up to us to, like, what do people need? It's almost like, what are people doing? And how can I help them to make that cooler and cleaner? I mean, think about this. Like, we're tattoo artists, so we've got to, like, think in a certain design mind frame. How many times as a designer have you gone to a restaurant and been like, man, if I had more time in the world, I would totally lay out this logo better for these guys. Or I would totally, oh, yeah. you know... But it's not our world and it's not, there's not really, not that these people would have the money to pay us. I think that's a common challenge in design is when you are given those constraints, you know, whether that be creative constraints or budget constraints that may limit your time or ability to put in something. I mean, it could be in a tattoo if somebody's like, hey, well, 
they show you a picture of something that's like a $800 tattoo and they want something like that, but they've got 150 bucks. Like that's a constraint on it, you know? But I think you bring up a good point here. Those two things you have, you have the budget and you have the time on a commission piece. Mm-hmm. The innovative part is how to, uh, uh, over un- under promise and over deliver the product. Yeah. Absolutely. Like that is the, that is the essence of, of innovation. Yeah. You know what I mean? So how can yeah. you do it in a way that doesn't look like you win? You didn't have enough money, so right. your panther gets no eyeballs. You know, or whatever. <laughs> right. You know. And I think it's like, yeah, I think that's a really good point. And I think that you know, what does that look like? Does that look? And hopefully, you know, sometimes that looks like uh, as an artist, you end up spending way more time than you really get paid for on something because you're interested in it. You're trying to figure that out yourself, and maybe that first client or the first 10 clients that kind of ask you for something that's really outside of a comfort zone for you stylistically or whatever you kind of like you invest a lot of time in that but hopefully with the idea that that's gonna because you're interested in it it's gonna return something i think about my wife you know she was a graphic designer for a really long time and you know this was almost eight years ago now it was when you know wordpress was just like barely a thing and she spent all this time figuring out how to do WordPress because she wanted to give herself an edge in web design. That's something that a lot of people weren't doing at the time. And that was like, she took on projects where she definitely did not get paid enough money versus the effort that she put in the project. Now, the result was like very appealing to the client. They loved what they got because she gave them really great looking, functional, you know, somewhat self manageable websites. But the expense on her end, you know, was large at first, but that allowed her, once she knew how to do it, she could do it way more efficiently and, and do it. So there is a little bit of this idea that innovation is sometimes figuring out that problem of how to work inside of those constraints in a way that's more efficient. Maybe. Well, it's like the joke. Or it's not really even a joke. I, I don't know if I talked about this before, but it's that guy that shows a drawing to the, to, to the client and he says... I paid you this much money and it only took you 10 minutes. And he was like, no, you're paying me this much money because it took me 20 years to figure out how right, to do yeah, this in 10 yeah. minutes. Totally. You know, that's all. I, I have the opposite problem. People are like, where did he go? I'm like, no, I'll be back in like 45 minutes. So I'm going to try to rack my brain about how to draw this thing that doesn't exist. Yeah, I'm sure you. by now, like you still, yeah, you can get no, subs out even quicker by yeah. now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't know. That's I, a weird I, thing. So, so a here's weird the thing is I, I'm not sure exactly where all this falls together this is this has been i really like talking about these subjects because it does it does require a little bit of critical thinking it's not, not if people take a lot of this stuff for granted they, they yeah. say like oh that guy's super creative or that guy works hard or that guy's innovative like what does that mean and i think that's what i like about these conversations we're having but i think that the next almost the next step is like when does you when do you become inventive? Yeah, like and that is that's almost that's 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 making something up that just didn't when are you exist. doing something actually new? Yeah, yeah, this is like what the hell did you just right. do? You know? Yeah, and I think that that will probably be what our what our next uh, our next uh, like I've never will be seen about. anything like that before. Yeah, when you yeah. get when you're past innovative and you're like, uh, you know, like people that, that do some of this crazy art that that you're just like what you know. Yeah. Um, like I remember, and this isn't old, but it was new to me. Like, have you ever seen people like that sew with silk and make realistic paintings? Yeah, that's that is mind blowing to me. That's probably yeah. still innovative, but 
Um, still, yeah. I mean, when you someone invented it, someone invented yeah. that process. Yeah, you know, and you're like, what the hell? You know, yeah. there's. I think there's like you know, there like we've touched on before. There probably are like stages of innovation, but I think that like the pinnacle of that is when you actually invent something new. So I think that'll be an interesting thing to talk about in the yeah. future and just see, you know, dig in a little more. Because what I've enjoyed about these conversations is just my own train of thought and my opinions on things kind of shaping and developing as we talk about them and, Mm -hmm. you know, giving that some time to sink in and live with it and work with it for, you know, a week or two and then seeing how our conversation, like like looking at life through uh, the lens of the conversations we've been having in this topic. It jars us out of that, that stagnant mindset that we get into. Yeah. You know, so. the mindless. And I, that's what I'm hoping these podcasts do there. I'm hoping they do kind of trigger people to go, like, what am I doing? Yeah. You Just think I mean? critically about something that maybe you wouldn't think very critically about. You might think about it in passing, but you wouldn't apply it to your workflow or your process or your client or your design. You know, I think that'd be, that's a cool thing for people to get to do. It's been cool for me even already in just a couple of weeks just doing that. So hopefully other people will do it too. Awesome sauce. Yeah. Well, this has been another episode of the Bastards of Art podcast. Well, thank you for listening. Um, thanks for waiting for me to get these new episodes out. And with the help of Chris, I think we're coming up with something really cool here. Um, you can reach us at uh, SoundCloud, iTunes, um, Stitcher, FM Player, and of course the webpage, www.bastardsart.com, and hit up all the episodes there. I think this is actually episode number 50. Which is interesting because I think you're not really a podcast until you get to 100, you know? <laughs> Halfway. Uh, and I do. People ask me all the time, like, what on your podcast? I'm like, it's still there, but it's not, I don't get paid for this. I'm not <laughs> monetize this at all. So, right. you know, uh, but I think, you know, having Chris here, I think the two of us together is really bringing a lot more energy to the table uh, than me talking by myself. So, anyway, thanks for listening. Uh, everyone have another good week. Talk to you later. Bye.